Volume Three, Chapter Eight of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith, Volume Three, Chapter Eight. Vasover had been with her every day since her arrival in town which was almost a week and montague thoroughgood had never appeared while celestina at once wondered at his absence and rejoiced at it though perhaps her sensations were mingled with a slight degree of mortification for while she disdained every species of coquetry she yet felt humiliated by the sudden cessation of that attachment which he had taken such pains to convince her could not be destroyed even by despair impatience however to hear of willoughby was still predominant in her mind and for this purpose she wished to see lady molyneux no acquaintance subsisted between her and lady horatia and therefore she determined to write and beg leave to wait on her old friend this she executed in a note to the following purport miss de moray being in town for a short time solicits permission to wait on lady molyneux at any time when her ladyship may be disengaged this note was delivered to lady molyneux in company she read it as if she had forgotten totally the claim celestina had upon her from their having been brought up together and from her mother's fondness for her she asked carelessly whether the messenger waited for an answer the servant replied that he did lady molyneux had formed an idea that celestina of whom she had not thought for many months was now wandering about the world in a dependent and inferior situation and might perhaps expect an invitation to stay with her which she had no inclination to give she therefore in a cold and careless way bade the footman to tell the person who brought the message that being then engaged with company she could not write an answer but would take an opportunity of letting miss de moray know when she should be at home she then entered again into conversation with her guests and it was not till the next day that she remembered having heard from celestina at all when seeing the note on her table as she was going to dress for the opera she gave it to her maid and bade her put her in mind to send an answer to it and fix the first morning she should be disengaged celestina in the meantime received the verbal answer to her note with more concern than surprise she had not expected much kindness from matilda who during so many months had never written to or inquired after her but she could not without internal anguish reflect that it was the daughter of her more than mother the friend of her orphan youth and the sister of willoughby who was thus insensible of all those feelings which swelled her heart when the scenes of that orphan youth 
and the pleasures of that infantine friendship were remembered amid these painful reflections however there was one that gave her some degree of consolation she thought that lady molyneux could not either from any knowledge of her own or from the report spread by lady castlenorth believe that any relationship by blood subsisted between them for she supposed it to be impossible for her in that case to treat with so much cold neglect a person whom she knew to be her sister on this therefore she dwelt as a circumstance favorable to the notion she most wished to entertain and as two or three days passed on without her hearing from lady molyneux her eagerness to inquire of her subsided into a strong belief that she knew nothing vassiver assiduously attended every day at the house of lady horotia during this interview and contrived to obtain for himself some degree of interest in her favor the openness and candor of his temper was with her an apology for half his faults while his youth and natural vivacity obtained his pardon for the rest his fortune was splendid and his family ancient and respectable while his person was such as could hardly fail to please and his manners careless and wild as they were appeared to advantage in the eyes of lady horotia who had been disgusted by the coldness and apathy either real or affected of many of those young men of fashion who frequented her house on celestina however the frequent opportunities she had of observing vassiver had a very opposite effect in her mind a standard of perfection had been early formed and every man she now saw was pleasing or otherwise as they resembled or differed from willoughby she continued therefore to treat vassiver with increasing coldness and saw with concern that lady horotia was every day more solicitous for his success willoughby in the meantime continued to wander about europe without any fixed plan and merely flying from himself still anxious to gather information on the subject which had destroyed all the happiness of his life and having little hopes of obtaining any but by means of lady castlenorth he often conquered his reluctance and visited his uncle at a villa he now inhabited near naples where he was always received with pleasure and where save only on the point which alone interested him lady castlenorth seemed to descend from her natural character to endeavor by every means in her power to gratify and oblige him and her lord who really loved his nephew as much as his imbecility of mind allowed him to love anybody and who saw in him and in his alliance with his daughter the only chance of perpetuating a family which was the great object of his pride became hourly more eager to see him and more gratified by his company 
it had been observed that there are two reasons which equally operate in determining some people to marry love and hatred and something resembling both these sentiments agitated the heart of miss fitzhaman of an involuntary preference to her cousin she had been sensible from the first moment she saw him and his indifference his preference of celestina and even his positively declining the honor of her hand had mortified without curing her of her partiality though resentment and disdain were mingled with the inclination she could not conquer and which neither his absence nor his coldness had prevented from gaining on her heart when she saw him again new force was given to this passion he was less handsome less animated but more interesting and more pleasing while his melancholy and dejection though created by another object gave him so many charms in the opinion of miss fitzhaman that her pride yielded to them and as it was now very certain that he had no attachment but to celestina whom since she fully believed their relationship she knew he could never marry she doubted not of being able to inspire him with an affection for her and in returning to england his wife of fulfilling at once her parents wishes and her own lady castlenorth whose love of intrigue time had by no means diminished whose arrogance had been deeply wounded by the failure of her original plan which she fancied willoughby would with so much eagerness have embraced was now doubly anxious to avail herself of the advantage she had gained by having prevented the intended union of willoughby and celestina pique and resentment operated upon her mind with even more force than attachment and regard would have on another besides in the marriage of her daughter with any man of superior rank and independent fortune she found great probability that her influence would be lessened and her government disclaimed but in uniting her daughter with willoughby whose fortune was in disorder and whose temper was remarkably easy she foresaw the continuation of her power and that she should neither see her daughter take place of her or escape from her influence whatever was the wish of her friends the assiduous mrs calder officially adopted and when she found how much lord castlenorth had set his heart on concluding the marriage between his daughter and her nephew she applied all her rhetoric to prove its advantages and all her art to secure its success willoughby was unconscious to the plans that were thus forming in the family of his uncle and did not think it possible that their pride would allow them to solicit again an alliance which he had once declined he therefore went to them without any apprehension that he was encouraging expectations 
he never meant to fulfill and had indeed no other design than to lay in wait for traces of that involved mystery which he still thought had been created by the intrigues and machinations of lady castlenorth in art however she was so much his superior that the very means he adopted to obtain satisfaction was in her hands a means of bewildering more deeply she now affected the most perfect candor and whenever she saw him touching with a tender hand on the subject she appeared to feel for his uneasiness and ready to give him every satisfaction in her power willing to avail himself of this apparent disposition in his favor he one day when he was sitting alone with lady castlenorth asked her whether she had now no traces of hannah biscoe the servant who alone seemed possessed of the circumstances into which he most wished to inquire lady castlenorth answered with great apparent ingenuousness that she did not exactly know as she had no connections at all with her but that if he wished to make an inquiry her woman should write out the directions to her relations which she did not herself recollect willoughby eagerly seized on this offer and begged that these directions might be immediately written out for him lady castlenorth instantly called her woman and questioned her as to her recollection of the abode of the relations of this hannah biscoe the woman named what she knew her lady directed her to put it down and willoughby left the house flattering himself that he had at length obtained a clue which might lead him to escape from the labyrinth of error and mistake where he had so severely suffered it was however by no means lady castlenorth's plan to suffer willoughby to return to england in search of this woman whose directions she seemed so willing to give him and as from the eagerness and agitation he expressed on receiving this paper it appeared but too likely that he meditated going himself in order to preclude the possibility of his views being again frustrated she found that all her art would be necessary to prevent his escaping her fortunately for her views lord castlenorth was seized a few hours later with one of those illnesses which had so often reduced him to the brink of the grave and the presence of his nephew which he so earnestly desired the generous and feeling heart of willoughby could not deny which he endured the cruelest restraint in staying and thought every hour an age till he could go himself to england and renew his hitherto hopeless research after the real situation of celestina thus passed however a month after the arrival of celestina in london and then the arrival of an english gentleman at naples brought him her letter written in answer to that she received at york nothing could equal the impatience with which 
he had expected this letter but the pain he felt at reading it he learned by it that she was returning to london where he fancied so many objects would combine to soften her concern for their separation and he fancied the letter expressed too much calmness and that she submitted to the separation which he had himself indicated as too likely to be inevitable without feeling half that regret and anguish which he had expected she would have described the reluctance she expressed to be left to the protection of vassifer made him believe his presence interfered with her preference to some other person a preference of which the very suspicion threw him into agonies at the very moment his reason told him that he ought not to think of her for himself jealousy now added to the pangs of disappointed love and the letter which celestina had endeavored to word so as to calm and soothe him and to teach him to submit to that necessity of which he allowed the force seemed to him to breathe only indifference and to prove that she saw him without regret relinquish his claim to those affections which were already in possession of another all his sufferings were confirmed and increased when a day or two afterwards he had an opportunity of conversing with mr jarvis the gentleman who brought the letter and who was hastened to rome he had been often in company with celestina at parties where she attended lady horatia howard and believing as all the world now did that willoughby was certainly to be married to miss fitzhaman and that the marriage of celestina would be a subject of satisfaction to him he related without hesitation the reports he had heard of her being soon to give her hand to mr vassifer to the amazement willoughby expressed at the first intimation of such a match jarvis who entirely mistook its cause said yes it is wonderful to be sure considering all we know of vassiver that he should seriously intend to marry so acute was the pain which the intelligence willoughby had just received gave him that he could make no answer to this and jarvis fancying him out of spirits for some reason or other which he never thought of inquiring after soon after left him to meditate on what he had heard there was room for meditation even to madness when he recollected a thousand circumstances that had till now appeared of no moment he was convinced that vassiver had long admired celestina he had himself resigned her or at least imitated that he dared not think of her and the person the fortune the impetuous ardor of vassiver which had which his agitated mind represented as irresistible now all crowded on his recollection and he doubted not but 
be that before he could reach england celestina would have given herself away yet with the horrid mystery unremoved on what pretense could he wish or even think of impeding a marriage with a man of whom his regard was evinced by his long friendship and, and who had so affluent a fortune as a lover he could himself no longer interfere as her relation he could not bear to consider himself and were he only such an alliance with vassifer could not be objected to on any reasonable grounds the longer he reflected therefore on what he had heard the more unable he became to support his reflections and they concluded in a resolution to set out immediately for england a determination which he communicated to his uncle the same day who was affected by it even to tears lady castlenorth had in conversation with mr jarvis heard the report of celestina's intended marriage and knew immediately how to account for this extreme uneasiness willoughby betrayed and his sudden resolution to depart for england when jarvis who proceeded immediately on his journey was gone she found an opportunity a few hours afterwards to speak to willoughby on english news and the change of his countenance confirmed her conjectures there was an occasion not to be lost she ventured what she usually avoided to name celestina and to express her satisfaction that she was likely to be so well married after all the conversation there has been about this young person she said affecting to have a great deal of feeling for her i am very glad that the poor girl will be so well established a man of vassiver's independent fortune can well afford to please himself and i doubt not but that you and lady molyneux must on every account rejoice at her change of name and that nothing more will be said of her origin though lady castlenorth affected to speak with sentiment and to soften her voice her piercing and inquiring eyes were demanding from the countenance of willoughby that explanation which she knew it would give of his real sentiments and she saw that the blood forsake his cheeks his lips turn white and tremble and a mingled expression of doubt fear anger and disdain marked on his features if i were certain madame said he that all the odious reports on which you who first promulgated them have invariably refused to satisfy me as you might do if i were sure that they were all true if interrupted lady castlenorth can you then doubt their truth will you compel me to make by adducing these proofs a matter public which you ought on every account to wish might be buried in eternal oblivion will i compel you madame yes surely i will if the beans are in my power tis for this only i have been so much with you 
not to compel you indeed but in the hope of prevailing upon you if you really possess the evidence you have often mediated to give it me all without reserve well cried lady castlenorth i have now given you a direction to the only person who is in possession of this evidence you might have procured it a long since as when i interfered to save you from the horrors of a marriage which must have rendered you and the object of your unhappy placed affection miserable for ever but then you flew from me and resented my friendship as if it had been an injury since that time it is not my fault if you have been unable to find this person whom i have never secreted and of whom i know little or nothing satisfied in having saved you from an abyss of guilt and misery i trusted to time and your principles to convince you of the injustice your suspicions did me you have searched for prose in those places where your mother is said to have been with her young charge tell me have you ever found any reason to believe the facts i told you of to be of my invention to have been totally unfounded willoughby was conscious he had not yet at the same moment he discovered that lady castlenorth had watched him and knew of the journeys he had made to Heries and to other places vexed and angry not knowing what to think or whether he was imposed on by her superior cunning or was needlessly tormenting himself in pushing the inquiry farther he could not command the various uneasy sensations with which he was agitated and therefore abruptly leaving the room he hastened to its lodgings and gave directions for his immediate departure for england he was concerned however for his uncle and returned in the evening to take leave of him he found him sitting with mrs calder who was reading to him a sort of catalogue raisonne of the various ills to which the human body is subject and as they passed in melancholy review before him he stopped her to consult her on his own symptoms and to inquire of her whether she did not think such and such complaints were about to add to his bodily infirmities mrs calder who was always obliged to everybody who fancied her skill enabled her to answer such questions was delighted with the opportunity this afforded her of exhibiting her knowledge to willoughby from whom she could never procure the smallest voluntary attention and the conversation began so irksome that having waited near an hour and seeing it not likely to end willoughby at length started up and approached to take his uncle's hand when miss fitzhaman in all the languor of unhappy love swam into the room on her entrance willoughby sat down again 
as being unwilling to have her suppose he rudely fled from her approach she put on an air of affected humility and looked as if she thanked him for ever this slight mark of attention she gave a loud and deep sigh prolonged as much as possible her eyes robbed of their fire were turned mournfully upon him you are going from us mr willoughby said she in a subdued and faint voice he replied that business which could no longer be delayed made his return to england necessary another deep sigh was all the lady's answer to this information but lord castlenorth cried i am sorry to hear you say so george very sorry i did hope that we might have all returned together as soon as my complaints subside a little as to business you ought to remember that all your money matters might be easily settled if you pleased i thank you sir replied willoughby who saw whither the discourse would tend but those matters are the least of my concern stay however one day said lord castlenorth that you may execute some business for me surely nephew you will oblige me so far though every hour's delay was death to him he at length agreed on his uncle's repeated entreaties to stay four and twenty hours longer at naples and then leaving the room he was followed by the officious mrs calder who desiring leave to stay half a dozen words to him alone he suffered her to shrew him into another room she put on a most rueful countenance stroked her handkerchief plaited her ruffles and uttering an oh dear between a sigh and a groan she continued thus my dear good sir i wish to have a little conversation relative to your situation in this dear worthy family for every member of which my poor heart bleeds and yet madame interrupted willoughby impatiently there is perhaps hardly a family among your acquaintance who are in the opinion of the world so little objects of compassion the world exclaimed the lady lord bless me what signifies the opinion of the world the world cannot see as i do into all their feelings there's your most excellent uncle as worthy a man as ever existed sinking poor good dear man under five complaints all incurable and denied alas the only satisfaction this world has to give him seeing his darling daughter settled to his wishes which would smooth his path to heaven and leave him nothing but bodily pain which is severe enough nothing but bodily pain as i observed to contend with oh sir what heartfelt satisfaction it must be to you what comfortable reflection for a good heart such as inhabits your breast no doubt i say what delight it would be to you to hold forth the amiable hand that should rock the cradle of reposing age 
and soothe the latter days of so excellent and worthy an uncle the wine and the hypocritical grimace with which the speech was delivered would have conquered the gravity of willoughby at any other time but he now felt his disgust irritated by impatience amounting almost to rage but he repressed his feelings with difficulty unwilling by opposition to lengthen the conversation which mrs calder suffered not to languish but thus went on ah dear what a melancholy reflection as i observed it is to consider that poor good man this is not likely to happen and instead of it this darling daughter this fine young woman heiress to such a noble fortune so beautiful so accomplished so elegant undeniably the first match in england in point of rank and beauty and fortune so lovely in person so amiable in mind so elevated in understanding far alas from being happy sees her youth pass away in a hopeless passion from which her infancy she has been taught to cherish and which now her reason aided by her affronted pride tries in vain to repass oh mr willoughby mr willoughby the happiness that you refuse by how many would be courted the heart that you disdain to accept by how many would be adored dear creature when i see how thin she is grown and know the cause of it so well when i hear her sigh and know how injurious it is to her delicate constitution i really sir you will forgive my zeal i have looked upon you with amazement and have asked myself whether you have eyes whether you have a heart to what madame interrupted willoughby who could no longer endure her harangue patiently to what does all this tend tend dear sir replied mrs calder why certainly to open your eyes if possible to a sense of the happiness you are throwing away to prevail on you to answer the expectations of all your friends to consult your own interest and to become all you ought to be you mean well i conclude madame answered willoughby but all this but you mistake greatly when you suppose that the alliance to which you allude would contribute to the happiness of any of the parties for whom you are interested i have no heart to offer miss fitzhaman and if the partiality which you represent exists anywhere but in your own imagination it would be ungenerous to encourage and unworthy to avail myself of it feeling as i do that i never can answer it as i am very willing to allow the young lady's merits deserve excuse me therefore if i entreat of you never to consider me 
as being likely to be more closely united with the family of Lord Castlenorth than I at present am, and to declare to you that by persisting in pressing it, my uncle will put it out of my power to testify for him that regard and affection which I really feel. Willoughby then left the room, and Mrs. Calder, piqued and mortified at the little success of her rhetoric, went reluctantly to give an account to Lady Castlenorth, by whom she had been employed, of the ill success of her embassy. End of Volume 3, Chapter 8 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.